0: Like I need to yell this morning. But uh, we are in John chapter 19, so if you have your Bible, I hope you do. Uh, turn there. We're going to finish up uh, this chapter this morning. But uh, as you're turning there, I'm looking around and I'm seeing some campers here in this room and they're looking very tired uh, from the full week they had at Forest Home. And I'm sure counselors are probably even more tired. But they all had a great week, and so I'm looking forward to hearing uh, some of their stories in the days ahead. But uh, thank you for praying uh, for that ministry. Well, this morning we're looking at uh, Jesus' death on the cross. Uh, last week we concluded, uh, Jeff concluded, with uh, Jesus having said in verse 30, it is finished. And he bowed his head and and gave up his spirit. And this morning we're going to be looking at the issue uh, of death. You know, and and death is not a subject that uh, we like to talk about. Many people fear. And, you know, I remember the the first encounter I had with death. It was my my grandfather. It was my dad's father. He died of a colon cancer, and I think I was about six years old. And uh, I remember my dad being on the phone and having heard that information and just started bawling when he heard the news. And as a six-year-old, that scared me to death. I had never seen my dad cry before. And to see this impact him in that in that way. And so that was my first encounter with death. and I've had a lot of encounters since then. And and, uh, praise God. Uh, God has uh, shown me uh, the truth of his word. And this morning we are going to be looking at the fact that Jesus is sovereign over death Jesus is sovereign in death he was sovereign in his own death and John is going to point out some things that happen following him having given up his spirit and yet Jesus is still in control and may that be an encouragement for every one of us That encounter death. Whatever it may be, Jesus is sovereign. He's in control. He has conquered it. And you can trust him. So let's read verses 30 through 42. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture that says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was the disciple of Jesus, but secretly... For the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about seventy-five pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus. Jesus has power over this entire chapter. And we've looked at uh, uh, this chapter in a couple different messages. And it is obvious that Jesus is fully in control. And we are seeing the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, about his crucifixion, all being played out. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It's as if. As John is writing, he has uh, Isaiah chapter 53, the book of Zechariah, Psalm chapter 2, Psalm chapter 22. He has those Old Testament passages open as he's he's recalling all that Jesus did, went through on the cross. And we continue in that same vein this morning. Jesus has power over All of it. And in verse 30, we see that Jesus willed his own death. The Bible says he gave up his spirit. Even in dying, Jesus was sovereign over that. It reminds me of John chapter 10. When Jesus says these words in verse 18 and 19, he says, no one takes it from me regarding his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. So when it comes to Jesus taking his last breath on the cross, he willed that. He was in control of that. And he dies. Why did he will that in that moment? John wants us to see some other things. in regarding Jesus' sovereignty over death even after Jesus dies the first thing that Jesus wants to show us that Jesus had to be buried on Friday the bible says that Jesus died at 3 p.m. there's 3 hours left in that day and Jesus knows that he needs to get in the tomb On that day And so this is what we see In this passage of scripture Since it was the day of preparation So that the bodies would not remain On the cross on the Sabbath For that Sabbath was a high day The Jews asked Pilate That their legs might be broken So Jesus dies The next day is The high, the high Sabbath and Jesus needs to be in the tomb before the high sabbath. And so, in order for that to take place, the Jews have to request of Pilate that the bodies come down from the crosses. And the Jews did not want the cro- the bodies to be on the cross on the high Sabbath day. Now the high Sabbath day is the Sabbath that follows Passover. I mean, this is a very holy Sabbath, and the Jews didn't want their land to be desecrated by dead bodies still being hung on the cross. Now, I'm not sure that Jews were so concerned about um, people having died on the cross that the Romans were uh, in charge of that capital punishment. But for the Jews, this is something that they wanted to see happen to Jesus. And so they felt responsible. And so they want they didn't want to be defiled themselves. They're following a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 21. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, it says this. And if a man... "...has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day, for a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land." You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. And so the Jews don't want their land to be defiled. Suddenly they are concerned about defile. Here they are. They have crucified God. And in their hypocrisy, they tell Pilate, we want those bodies off the cross because we don't want our land defiled. What an abomination. And yet God was working through these evil hearts to see the fulfillment of prophecy. And so here we see first, Jesus has given up his life. Jesus has willed his death so that, number one, he can be in the tomb on Friday, and there's only three hours left. He has to be in the tomb three days, and if there's any part of that day, if there's only three days left, three hours left, guess what? It's still considered one day, and so they they're, they're going to put Jesus in the in the tomb. And again, Jesus. Is fully in control. You know, Peter tells us this in First Peter chapter three, verse eighteen. He says, "For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the, right, the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit." Jesus is dead physically, but Jesus is not dead spiritually. And Jesus is working in this situation. The second reason why Jesus willed himself to die was not only so that he'd get in the tomb, but so that his legs would not be broken. Let's go back to Chapter 19 The Jews asked Pilate, verse 31 last part of that verse The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be Broken, that they might be Taken away Why did their legs have to be Broken? So that they would die immediately They didn't want uh, Those um, Criminals On that cross That could have lasted two or three more days. They wanted them to come off that cross on that Passover Friday. And for that to happen, the legs had to be broken. And so Pilate grants permission and the soldier goes and he takes what's kind of like a sledgehammer and he he. he wield that slam ha- sledgehammer against those, uh, those uh, criminals' legs, and their femur bones shatter. And when their femur bones shatter, they no longer have the support um, that they need in order to breathe because it's with their legs that they have to kind of raise themselves off, up as they're, they're hanging from that cross to be able to get air in their lungs. And if they're not able to stand on their legs hanging from that cross, then they just immediately suffocate and die. And so that's what happened to both criminals on either side of Jesus. But because Jesus had already given up his life, the Roman soldier didn't break Jesus' legs. To fulfill prophecy. Look at verse 36. Of uh, chapter 19. Verse 36 says. For these things took place. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones. Will be broken. And that is in reference. To Zechariah. Chapter 12. I'm sorry. That's when they come to the. Uh, piercing of his side but when it comes to the Passover lamb and Jesus was the Passover lamb Jews when they would celebrate Passover observe Passover they would take a Passover lamb that was unblemished it was perfect it was spotless it had no broken bones and they would uh, roast that uh, year old lamb And that year-old lamb was to be consumed by the family on that day. And as the family consumed that lamb, they were not to break one of the lamb's bones. Look at um, Exodus. Exodus chapter um, 12, verse 46. Verse 46 says, It shall be eaten in one house, speaking of the Passover lamb. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones, referring to the Passover lamb. And so it's important from Scripture that the Passover lamb, none of his bones are broken. Now, I have a confession to make to you. And, uh, you know, whenever we take the Lord's Supper, I have a tendency of saying, when, when, when we take the bread, saying, uh, Jesus is repeating Jesus' words, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And, you know, when I'm qu- quoting that, I'm really quoting Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from the New American Standard Bible. (laughs) And I went back to the New American Standard Bible and see what it actually said. It said, this is my body, which is broken for you. That's the translation. But in my um, English Standard Version Bible, that word broken isn't there. Um, that, that, the word there in the English Standard Version is given to you. And so I just need to remember this as we go through the Lord's Supper. You know, and it's not that Paul is saying that Jesus' body was broken. No, he's referring to the bread that was broken and given. But actually, when we take the bread which represents the body of Christ, not a bone. in Jesus's body was broken. It was completely given for you and I. So I'm just saying that to uh, let you know that uh, uh, I, I've, I've not been correct in that in uh, uh, times past, but uh, I will be making that correction. But Jesus, Died at three o'clock so that his bones would stay intact. And the third thing we see from Jesus' death is that a spear would pierce his side. When Jesus died, when the criminals were coming and they were breaking the legs of uh, the two criminals on both sides, they saw Jesus lifeless on that cross. Knew that his, his legs didn't have to be broken. And so the Bible says in verse 34 that a spear, a Roman soldier, thrust a spear in his side. And when he thrust that spear in his side, when he pierced the Savior, the Lamb of God, the Bible says, out flowed blood and water. Now, um,. <clears throat> Those who uh, write commentaries, uh, as I've studied this, would say, have said that uh, Jesus' heart literally burst on the cross. And uh, it was through that burst heart that what came out was both blood and water. Jesus literally died of a broken heart for you and I. He loved us that much And Jesus' body was pierced And again Jesus is in absolute control over this Because that is fulfilling A word of prophecy Out of Zechariah chapter 12 Verse 10 Where they shall look on him Whom they have pierced And so John is describing all of us This to us this morning because he wants us to see the glory in his death. He wants us to see the power, the influence in Jesus's death. And he says this in verse 35, this is all true. Let's go back and re- read verse 35. He who saw it referring to himself has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. Jesus is absolutely in control. Jesus continues to fulfill prophecy even after his death, and he is the conqueror, even in his dying. Jesus has willed his death Jesus uh, has died so his bones will not be broken Jesus has died so that his side will be pierced And finally, John wants to see Jesus' sovereignty Even over his burial In verses 38-42 through 42. Jesus had nothing. Jesus was homeless. Jesus had no place to lay his head, no place to call his own on earth. And yet in his death, he was buried in a rich man's tomb. He couldn't afford that. But here comes a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Verse 38 and these thing, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So here we see uh, Joseph, who has witnessed God being crucified on the cross. And in that crucifixion, he is moved to take the body of Christ for a proper burial. The Jews wanted the bodies down from the cross. But in them coming down from the cross, uh, coming off that tree, they just would have been discarded. They just would have been thrown out like chip trash. But here is Joseph of Arimathea, part of the Sanhedrin council who has witnessed his death, his crucifixion, and knows that he requires, he needs a proper burial. He wants to give him that kind of honor. So Joseph gives up his own tomb. It's a garden tomb very near. The crucifixion And they buried Jesus They laid Jesus In that garden tomb Again a place Very close by because He has to be in the tomb The same day But even in his death And even in his burial Jesus has absolute Control So what's the application For the, the message this morning From this text John's already told us. He's told us these things because he wants us to believe that Jesus is over it all. And that, my friend, you don't have to fear death. We don't like to talk about death. We don't like to, uh, you know, think about the end of life. We think that we, we just want to live forever. But we all have one thing in common in this, in this room, church. If Jesus delays, if he doesn't return before our time, guess what? We're all going to die. But I've got some great news for you. Jesus is sovereign over death. And just as he was fully in control of his life, he's also going to be fully in control of your circumstances. Do you believe that? Jesus wants to take away that fear. We live in a world today where many are slaves to death, to the fear of death. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 that Jesus came as a man and he died and he defeated Satan so that we might be set free from the chains of bondage to the fear of death. But we've got to believe. We've got to believe what Jesus has done for us. Do you believe that? Because when you do, I promise you, there's going to be absolute peace when the conversation of death comes up. I've kind of gotten a taste of that over the last seven or eight months. You know, I had a... I had a blood clot in in my lungs. Uh, The technician described it as a shower of blood clots in my lungs. I didn't feel bad. I mean, I was short of breath. But when the technician saw my x ray, he said to me, I'm surprised you're alive and are breathing. You know, when I heard that, I didn't get fearful. I didn't panic And then a couple months later When I go through a, uh, An esophagus procedure And the doctor tells me That he's taken out a spot But not to worry It's, I have, it's got good margins I got good margins from it And, and uh, when he calls uh, A week or so later And says You know it was cancerous didn't panic. That's not to say that I'm always and never going to fear death. I don't know how I'll respond. But I can let you know in those two episodes in the last eight months. I've had absolute peace. Because I know who holds me. I know who's in control. Jesus wants to give you His peace. And in order to have His peace, guess what? We've got to believe. We've got to know the truth. The Bible isn't silent over this issue of death. It has lots to say. Both in the negative for those who don't believe. As well as the positive for those who do believe. Said, so we're all going to die. Guess what? We're all going to live for eternity, too. In one of two places. We're all going to be given a new body that's going to be made for eternity, and it's going to be spent in one of two places. Either in the presence of Jesus for all eternity Or in the pits of hell separated from God Where there's nothing but darkness and wailing and gnashing of teeth Hell forever And Jesus doesn't want you to go there He's so serious about you not going there that he died for you. He took your punishment upon himself. And when we believe, we don't have to be afraid. Jesus can take away that fear. So that's the first application. And then the second application from this text is that we need to go public with our faith and not be afraid of what we believe. Don't be afraid of man. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't point out the courage of Joseph and Nicodemus. The Bible describes these men Or describes uh, Joseph As a disciple of Jesus in verse 38 But secretly For fear of the Jews You know in John chapter 12 verse 42 Jesus uh, said this there were, or The Bible says this there were, many, there were many of the rulers Who believed in him rulers being part of the Sanhedrin council but they didn't acknowledge it for fear of the Jews Joseph was one of those individuals and Nicodemus was another person in that category so here we see the secret believer and uh, if you read the other gospels the account of Joseph is in all four Gospels. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 51, it mentions uh, Joseph, but that he did not approve of Jesus' conviction when Jesus was led to crucifixion. Um, he was not part of that. Part. I don't know what that was. Am I still alive? Okay. So he did not approve of Jesus' crucifixion. But Joseph is watching the crucifixion. Nicodemus is watching the crucifixion. And when Jesus, Jesus dies, the Bible says in Mark chapter 15, verse 43, that Joseph took up courage. Here he's been a secret disciple. Okay? He hasn't gone public with his faith, but in verse 43 of Mark chapter 15, he takes up courage and he goes to Pilate and requests the body of Jesus. Why did he do that? I believe because he's watched Jesus die. I believe he's watched Jesus die for his sin. He's watched Jesus take the abuse, the beating, the pulverizing of man. And Jesus on that cross has nothing but love and forgiveness and compassion for all That they've done to him As he hangs there between heaven and earth Dying for our sin And just as the Roman soldier said Upon the death of Jesus Certainly this was The son of God I believe Joseph witnessed that Nicodemus witnessed that And they gathered the courage they were no longer going to be living in fear fear of man in secrecy and when they went to Pilate and requested the body you know the Sanhedrin those who cried out crucified were uh, breathing a sigh of relief that he was dead he was gone This was done. We're watching Joseph and Nicodemus prepare this body, take this body to a tomb. And as they were doing that, you know what? They were putting their reputation, they put their profession, they sacrificed their future. And going public in their faith. I mean, these were both influential individuals who had powerful positions in the Sanhedrin Council. And they were throwing that all away because they knew Jesus was the real deal. And their faith is so strong they're willing to make that kind of sacrifice. Before Jesus raises himself from the dead I don't think they're thinking that Jesus is going to come back to life three days later. But they know that this man is different. He's the son of God. And they're willing to throw away their future, their reputation, their popularity, their income, whatever, because of who Jesus is. And my friends, I think Jesus wants us. to make that kind of declaration as his disciple he doesn't want us to be secrets and we live in a world today a godless generation a a, a world that in no way wants to recognize a biblical worldview god doesn't exist he's not in the equation he's not to be a part of our culture we live for ourselves we do what's right in our own eyes this is the culture that we live in today i think from this text this morning the holy spirit is wanting to speak to our hearts that we need to go public with our faith just like Joseph and Nicodemus did with theirs. Are you afraid of that? Are you uh, fearful of standing up to the culture? Because the culture wants you to believe a certain thing. You know, I bring this up this morning because of the month that we find ourselves in culturally. What is this? This is Gay Pride Month. You know, we take, the culture takes a month to celebrate the LGBTQ and whatever else. A month! No, we took a day last month, a memorial day to remember the 1.2 million Americans who have given their lives for the freedoms that we have in this country today. One day. And yet, the LGBTQ community has taken the whole month of June to celebrate their rebellious pride filled hearts that do not And refuse to believe That there is a God That they are their own God And they want the Christian community To approve To embrace To celebrate their lifestyle And if you don't Guess what? There's consequences. You're going to be labeled. You're going to be labeled a racist, a bigot, a homophobe. I mean, you're going to be treated as a very ugly and hateful person. But as Christians, Church, we need to stand for what is right and not allow the world to conform us to their image. You know, it's amazing what we're seeing on television today with all these popular shows that we're watching. I mean, it is full of critical race theory and intersectionality. And if you're against those things, On the wrong side of history There's a teacher In Virginia A PE teacher His name is Tanner Cross And he refused To to bow to the idol of pride Of the LGBTQ community And identity politics And he refused To address uh, Transgenders By their preferred pronoun. As a Christian, he felt it was his responsibility and conviction that with transgender kids that he pronounced them by their appropriate pronoun, whether it's boy or girl or his or her, but not they or them. And because he took that stand, he lost his job. Now, Praise God, this week uh, there was a federal judge who um, saw that this was a violation of his uh, religious uh, convictions and liberties and he was reinstated. So this is going to go through the courts. And this is probably going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. But as Christians, church... God wants us to live a life of truth and honesty. To tell the truth. In a spirit of love and compassion. We can't embrace their lifestyle. We can't, we can't bow down to their idolatry of pride. God is against pride. God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And as we stand for what is right, guess what? We've got to do it in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of love, but we've got to tell the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34: "Love as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved us? Jesus loved us by telling us the truth, and it cost him his life. Church, young people. We've got to live by the truth In humility And in grace But I want you to know that The Bible doesn't whisper About this issue You know we have a convention president Right now Praise God he's only got a couple more days in office Tomorrow As Southern Baptists We're going to be voting on a new president But our current president said that when it comes to sexual sin, the Bible whispers. The Bible does not whisper. The Bible is clear. And we cannot allow the world to conform us to their image. We've got to know the truth. But you know, it starts with what Jesus did for us on the cross. When we know that, that He died for me, it ought to make us humble. It ought to make us full of grace. It ought to fill us with courage. Because what Jesus did for us there on that cross, He will do through us in the power of the Holy Spirit as we believe Him. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of man. Fear God. And He will make you strong. Young people, listen to the world. I'm so glad you guys went to camp this week. You disengaged from those devices. You didn't have a chance to just be absorbed in the world. You know, it it bothers me. That our young people today, they all have earbuds, (laughs) and they're all on their phone. And moms and dads don't know what they're listening to. We're concerned about public education. I'm concerned about social media. And what is, they are exposing themselves to 24-7 got to get away from that because that's a world that denies that God exists it's absolutely godless listen to the truth listen to the one who loves you who gave his all for you believe him He will set you free. He will be there when the world ostracizes you. He will be there when you lose some friends. He will be there when you're no longer popular. He will be there and He will never forsake you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for... Joseph and Nicodemus and the sacrifice that they made that we can learn from that but more importantly Jesus the sacrifice you made because it was only through your sacrifice that we could be saved that we could be set free that we could be whom you created us to be so Lord help us help us in this generation to be strong for you to not be ashamed I know Father there will be consequences there will be problems but Jesus you will see us through every one with you forevermore.